Welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations, including all the topics you are too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host today, Sheena Yap Chan. Our guest today is cinematographer Christine Ng. She is a graduate from NYU Tisch School of the Arts, and her Emmy-nominated cinematography work spans commercials, music videos, documentaries, and narrative features, including her latest work that can be seen on Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, and Showtime, just to name a few. Welcome, Christine. We're so pleased to have you join us on our program today. Thanks for having me. Well, there's so much to cover in our time today, so let's start off with your early days at NYU. Can you share with us how you became interested in wanting to become a cinematographer, and was that always your choice as a career? Um, it's so funny because I, I started being interested in movies when I was in Hong Kong. So I was born in Hong Kong, and my parents moved to New York when I was like two and a half, three, um, but then went back again when I was nine. So I was there for uh, a few months, and uh, right outside my grandparents' apartment, like we just walk outside in Kowloon, and they were shooting a movie. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like there was just something so amazing about like seeing that for the first time. Um, I was also really into Cantonese pop and my favorite uh, pop star was actually in that show that they were shooting right outside. So it was just like everything all at once um, that I loved was just like culminating right there. Um, and my parents also let me stay up like super late. They were shooting like a night shoot and they're like, it's okay. You don't have a bedtime, do whatever you want. Like we, we can stay up, we can watch them, whatever. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is a job. Um, and then I came back, we came back to the States, like later that year, I finished elementary school, went to middle school and started, um, I took a filmmaking class in seventh grade. So that's when I started just like, I guess, like as a hobby, starting to understand what filmmaking was, um, didn't really understand or know what cinematography was. Uh, when I first started looking into filmmaking, I was just like, oh, it's just cool. to like make stuff with your friends. Um, and then I was very interested in photography, um, and then eventually applied to NYU for film. But of course, you know, having Asian parents, they were like, you want to do what? Uh, and they were honestly not super supportive. Um, they were like, no, you should study like computer science or like business or like pharmacy. You know, like pharmacy seems to be the default thing to study. Um, yeah. So they were like, you should do that. And I was like, no, 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 I really want to try this. Um and someone at my high school told me about NYU's um, free, per, free filmmaking program for high school students in the tri-state area. So I had to apply for that and like interview for it. And I got it. Um, and I, I spent like 10 Saturdays in a row, my like sophomore or junior year of high school, um, going to classes at NYU. And my parents were like, oh, wow, she's like super dedicated. She like really loves this. Um, maybe we should be a little bit more supportive. Um, so then when I told them I wanted to go to film school after that, they were like, okay, you can apply to film school and you can only go to film school if you get into NYU. And I was like, oh shit, that's like hard. I'm like, it's like, it's like, yeah, you can do this if you win the lottery. And it's like, well, I, I can't like, I, I don't know if I'm capable of doing such a thing. Uh, but luckily having been through that program that for high school students, um, you know, we were already taught by NYU film professors. And so I was able to get letters of recommendation from them and my grades were, you know, decent. Uh, so luckily I got in. But if I didn't get in, I don't know, maybe I'd be your pharmacist, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, 
I know our parents always want us to have like the safe job, right? The pharmacist, the lawyer, the doctor, the accountant. And then so when you do something out of the ordinary, the first thing is like, how do you make money with that, right? That's always the first question that comes up. And, you know, you you decided you're going to make it happen. And because they saw your dedication, they're like, okay, let's pay more attention to Christine. She's got something going on. And then they like just let you do that, which is great because not many Asian parents would do that. You know, most 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 parents would be like, no, you're going to law school. No, you're yeah. going to you're going to take your accounting certification. You're going to be a pharmacist because that's where the money is. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to push through and do what you love. And so, you know, I, I hear people refer to the name director of photography. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that it's just another name for cinematographer or is there a difference? Um, And for those who don't know exactly what a Oh, okay. And for those who don't know what a cinematographer does, could you share some of the elements of what you do? Sure, of course. Um, So being a director of photography or a cinematographer, one and the same, um, you're the visual storyteller of the film, of the TV show, of whatever medium or format uh, this film is uh, or this story is. So I work with the director to help come up with like a visual language. I'm in charge of the camera department and the lighting department. Um, I work closely with the art department on you know, either production design, color theory, color palettes. Um, But ultimately, it's also about execution, you know, like staying on budget, staying on time, making sure you get all the all the shots you need to tell the story that you're trying to tell and to try and make it, you know, intentional um, and something that, you know, not just like we're proud of, but something where it's like you're honoring the story that you're telling with the visuals that you're creating. Wow, I didn't realize the cinematographer goes through so much. It's pretty much a, a, a demanding job, right? You got to make sure everything works well so that you produce a great film or a TV show or a documentary. And so I was just curious, um, you know, since film is a collaborative process, can you share a little bit about the relationship and creative process that happens between you, the cinematographer, and the director? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, every job I start... Um, my relationship with the director is so important. It's so important that before we even go on set, before we even start filming, that we have an understanding of each other. It's so important that I understand them. And so when we're on set, they can focus on the actors and the performance that they need to get. And I can help them literally figure everything else out. So if we've already decided, you know, how they're going to sit on the couch, where they sit on the couch, what time of day it is, how we want the camera to feel, um, to, sh- to also like subtly show what's happening on the screen. Um, those are all things that we have conversa- like deep conversations about before we even go on set. Um, it's so important for me to be whatever the director needs. I mean, like every director is also different, um, being that it's, you know, it's a, also a creative job. Um, It's also one of like leadership, Um, but at the same time, a director leans on their director of photography to help with visual language, you know, composition, um, being a liaison with the uh, production designer and art department. Um, It's really important to just have an understanding of each other, just like as people before you even talk about the script. It's like, well, what, what kind of things do you gravitate to? You know, how do you like to work? How do you like to communicate? How do you express yourself? Um, 
each director is different. Some may be more visually inclined or visually uh, expressive and others might not be, you know? So it's like, I kind of become the version of whatever a director needs um, and then help them just kind of like be the person that helps communicate the vision. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's quite intense. (laughs) I mean, you know, you have to set the intention. You got to make sure you're in alignment with each other. You got to be like the voice at times so that everything really does come out great, you know, and really tell the story of whatever you're creating, whatever film you're creating. So, um, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, what do you believe are some of the personal qualities that make a successful career in what I assume to be a highly competitive business, especially, you know, as an Asian woman, I'm sure there's not that many cinematographers, you know, what are some of your, yeah, like, um, qualities that you, that you think would be a great, uh, part to have a successful career in this department? I feel like, you know, for me, like learning about just being a filmmaker when I was, you know, 12 and I was like, oh, you know, filmmaking's cool. I want to do this with my friends, you know, and it's like filmmaking to me outside of being a DP, just being a filmmaker in general is all about collaboration and respect and support um, and creating a, a sense of community within the set, you know, and so like I'm the head of the camera department, which, you know, has a, a bunch of people like you have camera operators, you have assistant cameras, you have uh, assistant camera people, you have loaders. Um, and then you also have the lighting department and the grip department, which are like hand in hand in terms of uh, rigging lights, helping me set the look, um, creating uh, a mood through lighting, you know, and also being for me to be able to give direction to a camera operator to make sure that they're moving the camera in the way that we intend them to, you know? Um, And it's all about communication. So it's like the most, I think the most important thing is trusting each other. Um, And also, you know, leaning on my camera operator, leaning on my gaffer, who's the head of the lighting department, to see what they also think about the scene. You know, it's like, I have my vision and I'd be like, well, I think we should do this and we should do that. But what do you think? You know, if it's a scene about, you know, a couple that, was in love, maybe the story they start out in love and then they break up. How can we show that with lighting? How can we show that with camera movement? You know, and these are things that I know how I would express them. But if I also have two other artists here that specialize in a specific technical thing, why wouldn't I lean into that and also ask them like, this is, you know, what would you do? Do you think this is what we should do? Um, So I think it's like, it's not just a me and the director thing. It's, it's actually it's a trickle down effect to everyone. And I think when you can allow everyone to have a voice in the room, then we're all, we're all collaborating and we're all creating something that we all care about. And I think the most rewarding thing about being a filmmaker and a cinematographer is caring about what I make, you know, and caring about the people that I make things with. And when you trust and respect the people you're with, then that becomes a harmonious place to be. Um, And that's when I think you can make your best work and you can really create magic from that. You know, it's like we're constantly prepping, we're thinking of things, we're like hoping that this will align and this will align. And you have to make sure you create that safe space in the room so that things can align, you know. But if if you're not open to other, other opinions or, you know, other people in the room, then you're kind of creating some type of friction in the space. And I think that 
just, you're just, it's like missed opportunities. It's like, oh, well, this person had a great idea, but they were too afraid to tell me. But it's like, no, no, no. If you have a better idea than, than I do, please tell me. Like, this is our film. It's not my film, you know? Um, so I feel like it's, it's so important just to, like, respect each other and to, like, listen to, actually listen to each other. I love that's all a team effort and being able to be open to different suggestions because sometimes our ego can get in the way, right? We're going to think, well, my idea is way better than yours. Why would I listen to you? But here you're like, okay, yeah, let's try this out. See how the story, you know, pans out when we do a different lighting or have a different angle or, um, you know, do a different scene, whatever it is, you know, you're always willing to try something new because, you know, that could be the one scene that could make the whole, whole fail, right? Or that could be lighting that really just you know it's just that moment in the movie or in the film that you're like oh my god this is amazing right um so i i think it's great that you know everyone works as a team because that's so important and being able to um you know work together is what makes great movies right because you're not fighting there's no ego um you're all just working towards you know a a similar vision to make great movies to make storytelling great and to entertain people so it's really great so, Christine, I want to know, was there any cinematographers that you looked up to or who are some of the, like, you know, your your favorite ones that you've worked with or you wish to work with? <laughs> totally. Um, you know, two that really stand out to me and I have met, you know, I've, I've met them, but I've also seen their work before I met them. Um, so one of them is, is Ellen Curtis, who's like one of the first female cinematographers I've, I've ever heard of. Um, and she shot Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which when I first saw that movie, I was in high school and it blew my mind. I mean, it was like the most expressive photography I had seen in films. You know, I mean, I know there's like other iconic visual films, but there was something about that story and the way it was photographed where I was like, wow, like the movie, I mean, the script is amazing, obviously, but like the visuals that are supporting the script really takes you, takes it to another level. You know, it takes you to this like, um, like magical realism that's grounded in like really grounded in reality um, and lighting that is both like fantastical, but also natural, you know? And, And I think like, see like that movie has really influenced how I look at lighting and how I, you know, move the camera Um, and so when I met her, I was, uh, I was like a PA, I was like an intern at this production company and she was so nice, you know, and you only hope that like, when you meet someone that you really look up to and admire that they're actually like good, good, solid people. And she is definitely that. Um, she's also someone that when I decided that I wanted to start freelancing and become a cinematographer, she was like one of the first people to like hire me and like bring me on to like operate for her. You know, and that's just like insane. Um, and then the other cinematographer is B- Bradford Young, who I met um, through mutual friends um, that was making a movie in Sri Lanka. Um, and they were like, oh, you should you should work on this movie with us. And I was like, really? Like, you're really going to shoot in Sri Lanka? Like, that sounds unreal. But sure, whatever. When it happens, give me a call. And so they actually, you know, she actually did call me. She's like, hey, so remember that movie? Um we're actually going to do it and I, and I want you to work on it. And, um, you know, this guy, Chris Doyle is going to shoot it. And I was like, what? And Chris Doyle, you know, like Wong Kar Wai, everything, right. Like being from Hong Kong, like that was so like, he's obviously iconic. Um, his imagery and, and everything is like, 
is kind of what I also grew up on. You know, it's like also like this bridge between me as a cinematographer and then my, my cultural heritage of being someone from Hong Kong, you know, the way he like photographs that city and that country is, is, is the way that the world sees it, but it's also the way that I see it, you know, and that's so amazing. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're, I was like, okay, give me a call when we're actually doing it. Then she calls me again and she's like, Oh, Crystal is not, not doing it. Mm-hmm. And I go, Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, that's that kind of sucks because I was really looking forward to that. Um, and he, and then she's like, but you know, this guy Bradford Young is going to shoot it. Um, I think you guys will really get along. Like, go check out check out his work. And I went on his website, and it was just like really stunning photography. You know, um, the way he photographs like is he like sees in the dark, and that's unlike any other photographer I've seen. Um, and so I was obviously a little reluctant because I thought it was going to be Chris Doyle, but then I met Brad and, and the way he is, like, he just has this like warm spirit about him. And he was the first one who really was like, you know, stop being an assistant. You should hold a camera and here's a camera. I'm going to literally put a camera in your hands. Um, and coming back from that shoot, you know, I joined the union and then I, he, he gave me more opportunities. Ellen gave me opportunities and the two of them combined have like influenced, not just my photography, but also who I am as a person. Cause both of them similar to me, um, you know, really value community and like a creative safe space. I love that. I think it's great that you had that support system to guide you through to, to show you what you're capable of, because that's not always easy when you're doing things on your own, right? We have a lot, we have a lot of blind spots. We tend to second guess our capabilities. We don't have enough confidence to go out there and make things happen. And so having mentors like that is super important, especially female mentors, because we don't have that many female mentors. It it doesn't matter what industry, basically in any industry, right? The numbers are still very low. Um, And it's cool that you get to travel to so many places, like you went to Sri Lanka. What what are some of the other coolest places you've uh, traveled to when it comes to making film? Um, I went to, so with Ellen, I went to Kenya with her. Oh, wow. Um, She was making, she was also directing at the time, or she was already like starting to direct. um, And she was doing a, a commercial for this nonprofit that builds wells for communities so we went to uh, Kenya and shot like just outside of Nairobi. Um, and the coolest part was like they added one day on the trip so that we could all go on a safari together. You know, and it's just like things like that. It's just like the the sheer kindness and the thoughtfulness of being like, we're in Africa. We should actually also experience that. You know, it's not just a job. It's also our lives. Um, and to be able to kind of like have my job take me to cool places like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I ever would have gone if I hadn't gone for work, you know, and to, to be able to like experience that with, with those people too. Um, so I've been to Kenya, I've been to Uganda now, I've been to uh, the Philippines, I've been to Japan. Um, I've been to uh, England, like all parts, like, you know, several parts of England. Um, where else have I gone? Um, I mean, those are the ones that stick out in my head, like, immediately. I've been to Hawaii. Like, I don't know if I would have gone. The first time I went to Iceland, I went for work. And because I discovered Iceland, I was, like, obsessed. And now, you know, I went back, like, for vacation. Um, But, you know, it's, like, those are places that maybe I wouldn't have gone. Um, But I'm also such, like, a intense workaholic that it's like if I if my job doesn't take me there I don't even know how to make time for vacation so it's actually a blessing where it's like 
oh, I'm going to be here. So now I can just experience this place because I'm already here. Like right now, this where I am right now, this is not my house. I'm here for work. And I rented this beautiful house that I'm staying in for three months because my job is in upstate New York, you know, and that's a place that's like theoretically really close to me because I live in New York City. But, you know, you just you're like, oh, it's right there. I'm going to go. And you never go there. And now I'm like here all the time. And it's like, you know, it's different. You know, I actually get to like live, live in this like beautiful place, which is wild. That's awesome. I know I can see from your background just looks beautiful, the nature, you know, just giving you that serenity and calmness. And like, if you're having a bad day, you just go out and just appreciate everything that's around you. So I'm a little jealous, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, imagine if you were a pharmacist, I don't think you'd be able to travel to the oh my God. places. <laughs> I mean, for oh, yeah. too. <laughs> so it's a good thing you went, you know, you went for what you wanted to do. Um, but, you know, shifting, uh, you know, shifting gears a bit, I assume like this business is still primarily male dominated. And I honestly can't mm-hmm. think of any other Asian women behind the camera in Hollywood. So being a woman of color, have you had to deal with any issues related to discrimination or simply having to prove yourself, prove yourself that you are just as capable and skilled as any of them? All the time, every day. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like there's, um, there's, there's such a big push to make more space in rooms for people like us. Um, and I think it's like interesting because I feel like a lot of times they think if they just invite you, um, that's enough. And they've, they've, Oh, you know, we filled the quota. There's look, there's a, there's a queer Asian female here, you know? Um, and it, it sucks to think that I'm filling a quota. Right. And so obviously I, I, that's not what I think I'm doing. What, you know, I don't, I hope that's not the case, but I do feel like every single job that I, I do, I have to prove myself, you know? I'm obviously fully capable of the job, but there's always this, like, you kind of know off the bat, like the first meeting, you're like, oh, like what, in, like, you know, what kind of environment is this? Yeah. And more often than not, it's like, uh, well, let me tell you how to do your job, you know, or like, oh, you probably have never done this before, you know? Um, I mean, luckily I feel like now that I've been doing, I mean, I've been freelancing for more than 10 years, you know, I feel like, and with the internet, it's like on IMDb, you can like Google my resume and see that I've worked with like prominent filmmakers and worked on big sets, but, and not, not to say that you should look me up, but I'm just saying that it's like, why can't you just respect me? Because I'm also in this room with you. Yeah. Like if I can be in this room and you're in this room, should I expect you to not know how to do your job that you're filling a quota? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, I mean, every day you're just like, okay, well, I'm not going to let that get to me, you know? And then once I start working, people are like, oh shit, like she, okay, she knows what she's doing. Let's just back off, you know? Um, but every, any job, every job, there's always that initial hurdle of like, okay, well maybe today's the day that I can prove to you that I know what I'm doing, you know? Um, and now I just like, I'm just so used to it. I'm just used to the first few hours feeling like, okay, everyone's gonna be like, does she know what she's doing? You know? Um, but you know, the more people you meet, the more people you work with. Um, and, and, you know, this job is interesting. It's like, it's all word of mouth, right? Like, sure. There's my resume. There's my, whatever, there's the website, blah, blah, blah. But I'm getting work because someone 
I know got me like, you know, it was like, Oh, you should hire Christine. Cause she, she's great at this, you know? And then that's, it's all about like referrals and connections. And so the more I do it, the, le- the less that happens, but you know, I see the eyes looking around. I see the, you know, I can feel the judgment. Um, and it's just like, you know what? Just wait. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know it's it's not always easy, especially when we go through, you know, negative stereotypes. We're seen as quiet and dismissive and obedient yes. and we're not supposed to speak up. So, you know, when we speak up, they're like, oh, she's a wild one. It's like, I'm not a wild one. I just right. speaking my truth. There's nothing wrong with that because if, you know, a Caucasian man did that, you know, he's just speaking his truth. Meanwhile, we're wild, right? So, of course, there's a huge disparity and actions speak louder than words, right? People can throw sticks and stones at you, but you know you're, you know what you're capable of and you're just going to show them and then they just shut their mouth and be like, okay, let's, let's let her do it. And I know it's aggravating. Exactly. It's frustrating. You know, it's 2022 and like, why are we still going through this? But we got to keep moving forward to show not only our our current generation, but our future generation, especially in our community, to show them what's possible, especially for little girls, because it's really important, right? They have to see like they can do anything they choose to uh, show up as their, their true selves and be able to live a happy life, right? Because I mean, that's all what we want in life to just live as ourselves. So I'm really glad that you are out there, you know, pushing. Not only, you know, it may think you may think like you're pushing for yourself, but you're opening doors for so many people that we haven't even met yet, especially in the Asian community because it's still very small. It's very we're still very totally. ignored and invisible. And sometimes it just takes one person to open that door for everyone else. So I just want to say thank you. And I'm sure you know you had a lot of um you know, a lot of uh, noise, you know, when you decide you want to become a cinematographer, because like you said, your parents were like, why don't you become a pharmacist? And then you have, you know, like right. your aunts and relatives, like, how are you going to pay the bills, you know, taking pictures, right? Um, so to so anyone who's listening to this episode, what are some of your tips that could help them, um, you know, that's in a similar path as you? Like, what kind of advice would you give them if they want to pursue something that they want, but yet, you know, there's a lot of pushback? Totally. I mean, you know, I, uh, I've gone back to speak at NYU a few times now to like, you know, their current students. And, you know, I, I look around the room and I'm like, man, I wish, you know, there's just like, there's more women in, in the classroom now. There's more diversity. And I often say, I was like, I wish I saw myself um, when I was 18, 19, trying to figure it out. Because when I went to film school, I was like, oh, I'm not doing film. This is a toxic environment. There's no place for me. Um, I shouldn't hold a camera. I'm not capable, you know, and it's because that's what everyone around me was telling me. And so I didn't for a long time. I didn't, you know, and I, I started working at this production company, Park Pictures, where, you know, they, they were, they're female owned. Um, I saw a lot of just like amazing female leadership and I was turning 25 and I told myself, I was like, if I don't quit and do the thing that I want to do, when will I ever do it? You know, I can be complacent and and stay at this like nice, nice place and work here until I'm like 50 or 60 or whatever. And then what, right? Like it's, it's still in the industry. It's a production company. They make commercials and movies, but like, I'm not doing the thing that is going to give me joy and I'm not pushing myself and not making myself live to the fullest potential that I believe I can do. And you just have to believe in yourself. Like you have to like, 
give yourself an opportunity to try. And that's what I told myself. I said, okay, you're making $700 a week. Can you make $700 a week doing stuff? Like, what can you do um, to make that money? Because like, that's what my parents are saying. They're like, you're going to quit your job. Can you make this much money? So I had to prove to them that I could figure out how to make that much money. Um, And, you know, I started freelancing and I was making like double that amount of money by, you know, just doing like whatever, you know, just like, but I was so happy. I was like meeting people. I was working on set. I was feeling inspired and it's so important to just like give yourself a time frame, you know, give yourself a goal, give yourself like, like little goals, right? Like that actually make you progress, you know, like maybe you have like, okay, I need to, I want to be a director. Okay. Maybe you should make a short film. That's like a minute long. I don't have equipment. Use your phone, you know, like ask your friends to be in it, you know, like start with what you have. And then if you can show that you have a skill set, then you can expand on that, you know, keep meeting new people. Like if you don't believe it, like, that's the thing is if you don't believe in yourself, like who will, and how can you expect other people to, you know, if I start a new job and I walk in the room and I feel all these like judgmental eyes on me and I let that actually overtake how I feel about myself, I'll never, I'll never be able to do my job. But if I know and believe that I can, then I'm only proving to them that they obviously have issues because they have preconceived notions without even knowing me. And you just have to believe in yourself. You have to like, if you don't bet on yourself, literally no one will. Um, And you just have to do little things to like grow your craft and learn. I mean, like with the internet now, you know, it's like insane how much you can do, how much you can learn off of YouTube. Um, And I didn't really have that, you know, like the only way to like, what I thought the only way to become a filmmaker then was to go to film school, but that's not real actually, you know, but if you put yourself out there and now with Instagram, it's like, you can reach out to people and say, Hey, I love your work. Can I come shadow you? Can, are you looking, you know, are you offering any mentorships or can I talk to you on the phone and ask for advice? Like I've been, um, you know, this past Christmas, I did like ask me anything on Instagram that just kind of like randomly happened. Um, and then people were like, this is great. Um, are, do you have any shadow opportunities? And so then I created like a Google form where people can fill it out. And now I have like a database of like 150 people who are of all walks of life, of all ages, of, you know, all over the world, actually, that want to be on set with me and want to see what I do. And I think it's like those opportunities, that's where you learn. That's where you can see like, I think I want to do this, but you won't know until you like, actually see it happen. Um, And I think there's so many more um, filmmakers like me that want to create opportunities for younger people or, you know, just people who aren't from the industry to like be able to see what it is. Um, So it's just about being a little outgoing, being, you know, uncomfortable and like putting yourself out there and telling people what you want to do. Like, I don't think I would have ever been a DP if I didn't just say I'm a DP, you know? And that was something that like, Bradford and Ellen like inspired me to say, you know, without their support and without seeing their success and without um, them literally putting a camera in my hands, I would not be able to do this. So you just kind of have to believe in yourself too. 
Those are all great tips. You know, it's something that we definitely can learn from. And yeah, it really does take believing in yourself, taking the small daily actions to yield the great results and being resourceful. I mean, so many people have made a music video just out of their iPhone. So um, anything exactly. is truly, truly possible. And, you know, if our listeners want to know a little bit more about you and what you do, is there any links or social media profiles we can connect with? Yeah, totally. Is that, should I say it here? Or is that going to be on the you can say it, yeah. page or how does yeah, it work? Feel free okay, to shout cool. out. Well, um, Great. Uh, so my website is christineng.com. So it's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-N-G at uh, ng.com. And then I'm uh, Christine K-N-G on Instagram. So you can find me there all the time. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christine. And unfortunately, we are almost out of time, but I'd like to thank you again for speaking with us today and sharing your fascinating career. I'm sure there are many aspiring cinematographers out there listening who are envious of what you do for a living. Thank you. Thanks for the thoughtful questions. Also, if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Asian Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our API community with a voice through media arts. If you would like to support our program and make a donation, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Sheena Yapchan. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. Until then, take care, everyone.